right, everybody, welcome back into the South of the Line podcast. Today, it's just the OG3. You know us, you love us. It's me, Sebastian, alongside me is Austin and Nick, as it always has been. And we've got a really great episode for y'all. Um, some national championship coverage, some basketball talk, some coaching carousel talk. It's going to be a lot of fun. Thank you guys for joining. we got some big things coming up that I think y'all are really going to like. But without further ado, let's jump into it. Boys, how you doing? Been doing well. Um, I don't know, just spending this last couple of weeks of my winter break at home, just trying to get through it, really. Yeah, college is the craziest thing because because I, I started classes yesterday. I started this semester's classes yesterday. And you don't go back for another two weeks. So yeah. I'm already straight up in class and you're just you're just chilling at home. But then I'll finish classes three weeks before you and I'll be on break and you'll just be chilling. It's yeah, crazy. No, it's crazy. My first, my classes don't start till February 1st and I don't move. I don't go back until like the 26th or 27th. Yeah, that's 21 days after extended, my first class. Extended, extended break. He's got one yeah. heck of a break right there. I mean, I'm done with class in April, though. I finished all my exams before May. So, that's hey, not bad. Boy's gonna be I'm living a good life summer. Three months summer until, break. I'm not done till second week of May. So, yeah, see? Yeah. Hey, it's gonna be, it's gonna be the good life. Talking about the good life, though, um, Alabama is living the good life right now. I mean, that was an They've been absolute, living the good life, to be honest. They just, hey, and I know some of y'all aren't as happy with this term as I am. You're not as high on this term that I love to use as I am. They just wombo comboed Ohio State for four quarters. Oh, that was there a he disgrace. Goes again. That was a disgrace. I thought it was going to be close in the first half. It started to look that way, to be honest. I mean, Ohio State yeah, kept it at 14 14 for a little bit for there. The first, like, I don't know, 15, 16 minutes, like right into the second quarter. And then Ohio State scored four touchdowns in the second quarter. Yeah, it was close for a little bit, but uh, not really, not really all that close. And I wish no. I could say I was surprised, but everyone just clowned me for the pick I made last week. Just destroy me. Um, I deserve it. Um, you should never listen to another pick I make ever again. That's how bad it was. When I picked Ohio State to cover, I clearly should have been institutionalized. It was really bad. And I apologize for how terrible that was. But moving on, um, Alabama won by a lot. Um, not really very close. I mean, you win a national championship game by 28 points. There's something wrong. Um, what I think is crazy is – Half of these college football playoff national championship games have been play, uh, below. Is us. there anyone who could be closer, honestly, when Bama's playing their best? Is there not anyone this year. who could – I mean, I look at so. – I mean, Florida played f- them the closest. Yeah, Florida played them the closest, yeah. but Bama hasn't really been healthy all season. I mean, let's be honest, with Jalen Waddle on the field – yeah, right. that's the scariest part of this whole thing. They've had a fair amount of injuries, but it doesn't matter. They have no, an incredible matter. class in every every year that they have. Yeah, and everyone everyone talking about, oh, uh, Notre Dame shouldn't have made the playoff. Ohio State just lost by 28 after they dummied Clemson. Notre Dame lost by 17. So I don't think any of them should have been in the playoff, honestly. You should just, just hand it over, apparently. Just hand, hand over the trophy. Uh, yeah. Pretty much. The real debate, though, that everyone's been talking about is 2019 LSU or 2020 Bama? 2020. That's Bama. a good game. That's a good game. Mm-hmm, I think that's is. a really close game. I think both those offenses are absolutely ridiculous. Um, and, I mean, 
LSU pretty much dummied Clemson and Oklahoma in the playoff. So they dummied everybody. A whole lot of, whole lot of dominance. Yeah, I mean, except for my my Auburn team. I mean, twenty three twenty in uh in uh in uh Death Valley. That's a that's a game right there. But you know, don't want to talk about the past too much. Um, Bama fans. Um, but enjoy being able to talk about the present and your eight. Team, national championships, whatever helps you at night. Um, but yeah, uh, huge win by a lot. And then and and so Nick I Saban just, made history too. Nick Saban did make True. history as as the greatest college football coach of all time. The only coach to ever win seven undisputed national champions, national championships. That's crazy. And at, at two different schools, at two right. different schools. So that's even more impressive. Um. But what I want, what I do want to touch on really quickly, that you always see after the national championship, there are these way too early top twenty fives. How is Bama number two? Are you serious? I mean, yes, they're losing a lot, but so, so what? There, those quarterback, wide receivers, running back, it don't matter. Yeah, it's, it's never if. It's never really have affected them before, so yeah, I, I, mean, I, don't, I don't see it affecting them this next year either. I mean, Clemson's losing a good bit too. They're losing quarterback, running back, all of the above, defense all around. I just don't understand how you can. I just I'm all for getting rid of the way too early rankings. I don't. I'm not a fan because everyone's just going to get mad about it, and they're not going to be right. So let's just. I think again. I mean, whatever gets you more views, whatever gets you more publicity, um, no such thing as bad press. So, you know what? I'm going to deal 180. I love way too early top 25s because of the controversy they create. Love them. Yeah. Because um, everyone's going to disagree with at least part of it, and everyone's going to have their own top 25. Yeah, I mean, um, Alabama, they're replacing Mac Jones with Bryce Young, who was – Five-star quarterback. <laughs> exactly. And then, I mean, their wide receiver class is always deep. I mean, wide receiver U – even though I think Devontae Smith was the best to come out of that wide receiver U, they're just going to replace him with more studs. And then they have some other solid solid running backs that got a lot of time behind Najee Harris, and they're all going to come back and just fill that hole. So is it just me, or do wide receivers seem more dominant than ever? I can't remember a time when wide receivers were just able – it doesn't matter who you put up against. I mean, there are multiple wide receivers. I mean, you see – you saw Jamar Chase last year, Devontae Smith this year. I mean, you can go down the list of these guys, and it just seems like, you know, you put whoever you want on them, whatever corner in the country you want on them, it's not going to matter. It feels like wide receivers are dominating more than they ever have in, in college football especially. Um like I don't, I don't see any way these guys are getting stopped. Is that something that wide receivers have progressed, or do you think it's maybe corners are lacking a little bit in that area, and maybe there's a little bit of progression and skill, skill readiness that needs to be done for corners before they get to the league? Because you don't see that as much in the league. But I'm just, I don't know. I mean, it's hard because I mean, running backs always have their day. Um, you see a great running back, they're going to be a great running back. But wide receivers seem like they're, they're winning those one on ones. They're more dominant than ever right now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when you see the skill sets of a lot of these wide receivers, and obviously Devontae Smith is the perfect example for this. I mean, he has freakish athletic ability. He's able to juke out any corner or any safety or anybody that he's going against. So it does make it hard to guard against him just for his pure raw athleticism. And I think that plays into a lot of it, even for many other receivers mm -hmm. in this day and age. But 
it does also come down to the defense too, because defenses as a whole nowadays in college football are struggling completely. And I think that defensive backs and a lot of that secondary are the main reason that many defenses across the country are struggling in general. I just don't know if it's necessarily a scheme problem with a lot of these coordinators or if it's just the talent that they're recruiting or maybe their coaching style. And I think you see this in phases. You see offenses will progress in offensive schemes and, and, and theories. And I mean, use the spread, the spread offense, all this kind of stuff that this new offense comes in and then defenses have to adjust. And then there'll be a new offense that works against those defenses and defenses will have to adjust. And I feel like right now we're in the period where defenses have to adjust to to these spread offenses, these running four receivers at a time, four or five receivers at a time, um, tight end, athletic tight ends, something mm-hmm. defenses are going to need to adjust to. Um, so exactly. I feel like, like the Kyle Pitts of the world, the Kyle Pitts of the world, the insert any Notre Dame tight end, um, insert any Bama tight end. Um, but it's, yeah, I feel like the defenses haven't adjusted yet and it might be a while. But it'll be really interesting to see how long or if it even does happen. Um, but I mean, enough I about- think I mean, I think it started in the NFL with the evolution of the offenses and with the quarterbacks passing the ball more. And so obviously wide receivers are getting more option, more opportunities to get the mm-hmm. ball and make plays for themselves. But I mean, I think it just starts with that and then with I mean, wide receivers are just getting, I think, more athletic and more freakish. And we're seeing more, like, bigger wide receivers who are just as fast as any cornerback and safety and cannot run anybody. And then they put they just put the most freakish athletes on the outside and just told them to go make a play. So I think that's part of it, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, I think that's an adjustment that people are going to need to make to really just understand, like, okay, so – watching the national championship game last night. So we're recording this on a Tuesday for anyone who's wondering. It has been, I don't know, a little less than 24 hours since the national championship game. Um, there were, there were, there was a touchdown that Alabama had to go up 21, you know, Ohio State had cut into the lead, made it 38, 24. That next touchdown that Alabama scored was Devontae Smith touchdown as, I mean, but who else, honestly, um, but Devontae Smith was, in motion and ended up sneaking out into the slot and Ohio state paired up a linebacker on him. Why? Why? I don't know if I would say it was probably just to match up with the size of Devonte Smith. I mean, he's a pretty big guy. All things he's, I mean, he's pretty average size. He's pretty though. good. I mean, yeah. But, but I don't, maybe it was just probably to have a better strength game against him to be more physical towards him. I don't know. I don't other know than what that, they're, he couldn't have matched up in speed, and obviously he didn't. If you can't touch him, you can't be more physical than him. And with his yeah. exceptional route running, you yeah. can't touch him to get more physical with him. Yeah, I mean, Devontae Smith, he's 6'1", 175 pounds. Not a small receiver. Not the biggest receiver. But I don't That's understand why you were you... in high school. Hey, hey, exactly. And I can't do that. So let's exactly. not, hey, we're, we're all around that same height, a little bit taller, a little bit bigger, and nowhere close to that. So, I mean, then again, who is? But I just don't understand why you don't have, if you're Ohio State, why do you not shade your best corner with him all night? I mean, why even give the chance of a linebacker matching up on Devontae Smith, even for a split second, and then to not have any safety help over the top? 
that was kind of embarrassing. Um, but Ohio State got exposed a little bit. Um, Clemson got exposed a little bit. Notre Dame got exposed a little bit. Alabama got exposed in a positive way a lot. Um, but then again, what else were you expecting? Dominant all season. Um, yeah. You know, we can go ahead and shift out of that because I think everyone's pretty familiar with, with Bama's dominance this year. I mean, if you flipped on your TV on college football at all, you know. Um, so we're going to go ahead and throw it into basketball where Bama's actually also being really successful so far. Surprisingly, um, Alabama and Tennessee um, leading the conference right now. Alabama 4-0 conference play. Um, a lot of movement, a lot of mixtures, a lot of cool stuff happening. Um, a lot of big games coming up this week. What are you guys thinking about? I mean, Alabama, I think they're starting to become the team that a lot of people anticipated them to be, to be able to compete in the SEC. And early in the season, they obviously weren't playing as well. But then it started off with, I mean, as most recently, last Tuesday, they got a big win over Florida, 15-point win at home against the Florida Gators. And Florida, I thought, was starting to play pretty well without Keontae Johnson. They were starting to find some offense, starting to find some guys stepping up. But then against Alabama, they just didn't meet up to the challenge. I mean, Alabama was just more physical with them. Alabama just played much harder than them. And Alabama has senior leadership that I think is really key. And then against Auburn, they had actually a freshman, Joshua Primo, step up and had 22 points because the past couple of games. Yeah, squeaked out a win in that one. That was a really good game. Past um, couple of games, Javon Quinterly has been out. And so mm -hmm. they've had, had different guys step up. And in the Florida game, they had James Rojas and Keon Ellis off the bench score double digits, which was huge. And then against Auburn, it was Joshua Primo who led the team with 22 points. So they're finding different guys every night. They, a lot, they have a lot of versatility on both ends of the court. And Real quickly, I want to throw in there. Right now. By the time anyone listens to this, this game will be long over. But in a couple hours, um, Alabama is set to play at Kentucky. What's crazy about this is um, Kentucky is four and six. Yes, they've – They've they've won a lot of conference games. It's been it's been great. They they're on a three game winning streak. They've kind of turned things around from from one and six to now being four and six. But Alabama's nine and three. They're undefeated in conference, um, and somehow Kentucky is a three point favorite um, against Alabama. I don't know about that. I'm not going to talk about it too much. Just wanted to throw it out there. So when anyone listens and knows the score, the final, they can be like, oh hey, that was a terrible line. Like Bama should have been favored. Or, hey, that was a pretty good line. Kentucky won a close one at home. Just wanted to throw that out there so everyone knows after they see the results what kind of went down. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. Alabama's been on a roll. Um, SEC basketball is kind of kind of taking shape, but also not really at all. I, There's I don't really definitely still. a lot more to go. There are some good matchups, though, coming up this week. Though. I'm really looking forward to the Kentucky-Auburn game on Saturday. That is probably going to be, good be game. the best game of the week to be honest besides maybe so. in Tennessee and um, that's a rivalry freshman Justin Powell who didn't play against Alabama um he was one of the favorites to win freshman of the freshman of the year um this year in the SEC um so Auburn if for, for everyone who doesn't know on Saturday Auburn lost home game 94-92 Alabama's a great game back and forth it's exactly what the SEC wants to see out of their basketball teams really high quality play lots of back and forth high paced uh scoring um but Auburn gained Sharif Cooper back. Let's talk about that for a second. Um, Sharif was freed. Our cries were heard. The whole Your college cries. basketball scenes, the all of college basketball, let's be honest. And right. the planes. You, you wanted this too. 
you would have you would have wanted this too. Um, Sharif Cooper is freed, dropped 26 points, um, nine assists, a line that only another Auburn freshman has put up this season in college basketball. The only two freshmen, and that freshman is Justin Powell, who didn't get to play. So seeing the, those two together can be pretty interesting. Now I do think Kentucky has a little bit of an edge over Auburn just based on the recruiting numbers that they put up every year. But it'll be interesting to see. I mean, those two guys are, are starting in the backcourt for Auburn. That's let's be honest, that's that's the best freshman backcourt in the NCAA. It has to be. Yeah, okay. without a yeah. doubt. I mean I mean that not that there are that I many freshmen so. starting backcourts in the NCAA, but I mean that's crazy. Um I mean, now Justin Powell gets to play. I mean, when Shreve Cooper was ineligible, uh, Justin Powell had to step in and play point guard. And play point guard. Not his natural position, but now with Shreve Cooper, Shreve Cooper back in, Justin Powell gets shifted over to his natural position as shooting mm-hmm. guard while Shreve Absolutely. gets to play point guard. And I think for Auburn, I mean, they're a young team, but I think Shreve Cooper did have five turnovers against Alabama, and I think that was a tough first game for him to come into. That's tough, but also a two-to-one turnover. Yeah. But, a two to I mean, one assist to turnover ratio isn't it's not great, but it isn't bad against Alabama. Right. Um, but that's a good veteran defensive team. Exactly. And I think his decision making could be a little better because at the end of the game, he was taking a couple shots that I don't think were necessary where he could have gone to the lane and cut the lead to two or three points. But I mean, Auburn's got to be excited to have Shreve Cooper back and Justin Powell. Yeah. And two guys that make everyone around them better. Um Kind of, there's a couple teams that that really really play well together in this division. There's about five teams sitting kind of at the top of the division. Um, those will be Tennessee at nine and one, Alabama at nine and three, LSU at eight and two, Missouri at seven and two, and then Arkansas at ten and two. Um, those those five teams kind of have a little bit of separation over over the rest of the pack. Um, like like Georgia at seven and three. I'm not putting a whole lot of stock into that because their they're wins and losses. They're yeah, they, in conference play. Yeah, they're, they're and their wins didn't come against great teams. Um, yeah, just it also doesn't help that they, have, they don't have Anthony Edwards anymore. So when you lose a player like that, it's kind of hard to really yeah. be able to rebound. And I don't know that they're going to have that good of a season as they would have like they did last year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but there's some impressive play from a couple of these teams at the top, like Missouri, Arkansas, that you maybe didn't expect to see there. They surprised everyone. And then like we talked about in the in the preseason um, basketball pod, you know, you see Tennessee, Alabama, LSU, teams we thought had a chance to be really good, but then really not a whole lot of definition in the conference so far. Um, so pretty much still anyone's conference. I mean, you could see, you could easily see, see any of these 500 or, or six and four, or five and three teams end up making a run and, and playing in the championship SEC championship game um, in March. So you really have no idea, uh, but it's really exciting to watch so far. Um, teams getting healthy now for the first time. There's some teams with injuries that are, they're being healthy now. Um, some surprising wins for a couple teams. I mean, I mean, you look at this, there's only one team with a losing record and it's Vanderbilt at four and five and Kentucky actually that's two, but Kentucky has also won their last three in conference. So, like I said, you got to take things with a grain of salt. Kentucky four and six, but won three games in a row in conference. So it's a little bit of a little bit of give and take here. It's a lot of fun to watch. Um, exactly. A lot of movement for sure. I think with Kentucky, their obviously their three wins were against Mississippi State, who I don't think is that good of a basketball team. And then they needed a last minute three to beat Vanderbilt, which is kind of suspect. But then they go down to Gainesville last Saturday. And just dummy. They wombo comboed Florida. 
by 18. And now Florida obviously goes doesn't have Keontae Johnson. And that obviously played a big part in the game. But, I mean, Florida still – they Florida still beat a team like LSU without him. So – and they've had plenty of time to get players to step up and fill that void. But Kentucky – I think the key for Kentucky was Keon Brooks Jr. coming back from injury. Uh, mm-hmm. His first game against huge. Florida – 12.6 rebounds, four assists, and I think his veteran presence. Just quali- Ben, that's that's a quality stat line. That's something. That's a stat line that you see that maybe doesn't stand out a whole lot, but that kind of consistency across the board makes the rest of your teammates better. It's not a. I would rather have a 12-6 and four line than than a 23 and two line, just because you know that's those are quality. And then the stats that don't show up on on the score sheet. I mean. Defensive exactly. play, huge. His defensive play was huge in that game. Um, stops at the right time, help defense, stuff you don't see on the stat sheet these players bring. And you say, well, how much of a difference did he make? He had 12 points. You can't really put a, a quantitative amount, a number on on how valuable he is because you can do all these things that, that you will only see if you watch the game. So I want people to maybe look at that and, and think about what he does besides scoring and rebounding and those assists that he has and see what he does as a teammate um, to help the team win that really, really is going to help Kentucky if they want to turn things around this season. Exactly. And, I mean, even though he's only a sophomore, he still brings that veteran presence because, I mean, Kentucky uh, historically does not have – A sophomore Kentucky is, is basically a senior, let's be honest. Exactly. Yeah. Your sophomore, you're, you're basically senior. I think their game tonight against Alabama is going to prove a lot for either one team or the other or for both teams. Because, I mean, if Kentucky beats Alabama, then that's – a really hot team, 4-0, a team that is really close to being a top 25 team in the country. And if they beat them, then I think a lot of people will think Kentucky is back. But then if Alabama goes to Lexington and gets to win tonight, then, I mean, no matter how you slice it, a win against Kentucky is still a win against Kentucky. And I don't, I don't want to say it this early in the season because, I mean, Kentucky's played 10 games. Alabama's played 12 but this kind of feels like a must-win game for Kentucky almost. If they want to make I the tournament, so, yeah. if they want to make the tournament, yeah. they really can't afford. They can't afford to lose any more games that they're favored favored in. They, I don't think they could be favored in almost every game they play this season, um, if they're favored against Bama. But they can't really afford to drop a whole lot of more games and then not win the SEC championship in the tournament. Right. Like either either they lose some of these games and then win the win the tournament or they don't lose any of these games and then play well in the tournament. Those are their only options. To, I mean, because exactly, yeah. let's, let's be honest, they lose four more in-conference games. They're sitting with 10 losses and they're sitting at 18 and 10 on the season and then don't play exceptionally well in the tournament. Maybe lose second round, end up 19 and 11. There's a chance you don't make the tournament with that record. There's For a legitimate sure. chance at 19, 11, you might not make the tournament. For so, sure, yeah. And this could be like their first, I think this could be their first quality win of the season. Cause I mean, you can, put the Florida win as a quality win. But, I mean, again, take that as a grain of salt. They were without Keontae Johnson. So, Kentucky really yeah. needs a quality win. And I think right now, until they play Tennessee or Missouri, two ranked teams, this will be their first quality win. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a lot of changes in the SEC, a lot of shakeup in the basketball world and, and jockeying for a position. And speaking of a lot of shakeup and, and, and movement, um, SEC coaching carousel is in full swing and no one is safe. No team is without action or almost no team is without action. 
Um, you go everywhere from from Alabama, the the top of the league, national champs, all the way to the bottom, the South Carolinas, and stuff is moving. Um, so we're going to dive into that really quickly. Um, first, um, something that's been on the back burner for a while um, that I haven't talked, we haven't talked about as much head coaching hires that were made earlier this month um, for everyone who hasn't listened to those pods before. Um, South Carolina hires Shane Beamer, um, son of legendary Frank Beamer, as their head coach um, from Oklahoma. Um, Vanderbilt hires uh, Clark Lee. Um, we talked about that in our in our Billy Derrick podcast in, in good detail. Um, he's defensive coordinator at Notre Dame, uh, which honestly, if you can hold Bama to 31 points, I mean, hey, all the best to him at Vanderbilt. That'll be that'll be interesting to see. Um, and then more recently, Brian Harson, Boise State head coach to Auburn as their new new head coach and a lot of turnover there. That's by far, I think, the most turnover of any of these schools. I mean, almost no one is safe. Um, only only one coach actually from Malzahn's um, um, regime was has been confirmed to be safe so far. So it was a lot of different stuff flying around. Um a lot of different, a lot of different things to talk about. So, guys, what's something that really stands out to you so far? In the SEC, I would have to say one of the biggest things is Steve Sarkeesian getting the job at Texas. I'm, oh, it's huge. I think that's a great hire for Texas, just considering that Sark's offenses at Bama have been elite. The way his schemes and the way he's utilized all the talent that he's been given for those uh, Alabama offenses, I think that. That can translate really well into Texas, considering they always get big recruits, but they can't find really a way to use them that well. They've just not quite hit the mark. And I think Sark might be able to take them over and get them to a New Year's Six Bowl. I won't say this year, but soon. Texas, Texas is a really hard coaching job because be of expectations. Hey, will Texas be back? Not, not right now. Not right now. Not right now. Hey, Texas is it? Texas is a really hard coaching job because of immediate expectations, kind of like you yep. see at the, the Michigan, like the Michigan, Texas, USC's of the world. There's immediate New Year's Six national championship expectations. So right. that'll be a really tough job for him. Um, in his replacement recently announced, um, really just today, Bill O'Brien, former head coach and general manager of the Houston Texans, is reported to be um, in the process of being hired by Bama as their next offensive coordinator. That's pretty huge. Um, I think it's a great hire. It's someone who has experience at the next level, get guys fired up. Obviously not the greatest um, NFL head coach. And I think maybe he was given a little bit too much power. I mean, head coach and general manager, that's that's kind of ridiculous. Um, yeah. Offensive coordinator role, I think will be good for him. It'll be interesting to see how well he recruits, but then again, it's Bama. So I wouldn't be too scared about it. Yeah, it's not too hard to sell recruits on Bama just show national championship trophies and rings. That's really it. Uh, but something that not a lot of people are talking about, LSU has had a lot of, like a lot of turnover. Um, uh, three people, three people fired um, this year, two retired. Um, Bo Pelini, legendary defensive coordinator, former Nebraska uh, football coach, early 2000s was fired. Um, Scott Linen, passing game coordinator, which is not a huge role, but he was also fired. Uh, Bill Bush, the safeties coach, fired. Um, two retired. Um, LSU's offensive coordinator, uh, Steve Ensminger, retired uh, from on-field coaching. Bill Johnson, the defensive line coach, retired from coaching. So LSU's got a lot of holes to fill so far. Um, there's a lot of different names being thrown around there. 
Um, that's something for everyone to keep an eye on um, because not a lot of people have been thinking about that as much. They've had a really quiet year, LSU has, after their national championship season. So that's something for people to keep an eye out, um, an eye on. Um, and then really the, the most turnover has been at Auburn um, Stadium, half a mile from where I'm sitting right now. Um, and honestly, it's been some, there's been some ups and downs of the coaching hire process. Um, let's, let's get honest opinions. What do you think about the head coaching hire at Auburn? Maybe the most um, impactful, the, the biggest name, if you can really say it, um, of any head SEC, a new SEC head coaches so far. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I like that for Auburn. I think he brings in, he comes from Boise State, which you obviously, Boise State's been pretty consistent in winning ever since they came on the national stage and he brings in that winning culture. And I think the players are really excited to play for him. And he's brought in some really good assistants so far, brought in some really good coordinators, obviously the big one being Derek Mason as a defense coordinator for Auburn, which I think is huge because he was the defensive coordinator at Stanford before he came to Vanderbilt as head coach. And he did really well as a Stanford defense coordinator. His defenses were always one of the best in the Pac-12, if not the country. So I think that the head, I think that he's been doing a really good job so far. And he got to watch Auburn play in their bowl game against Northwestern. So he got to see them in live action, even though it may not have been all of his players that he wants, but I think that's good for him and that he got to see Bo Nix in action and see what he does well and what he doesn't do well. Yeah, I think that's huge. He's a big quarterbacks guy. Um, important, to, important to note, I mean, Auburn's historically um, uh, a run game powerhouse kind of school. Like they're going to run the ball. That's what they're going to do. Um, I mean, you look down Bo Jackson, um, uh, Cadillac Williams, the running backs just go, they just go on and on. Um, um, interesting to note, Brian Harson has never had a season without a thousand yard rusher as a head coach. That's really encouraging for, for any Auburn fans out there. Other um, notable hires, um, uh, Mike Bobo, new offensive coordinator from South Carolina. Um, that one I'm a little on the fence about. South Carolina, obviously not the most success scoring the football this year, um, but he has a previous relationship with Harson. Maybe together they can, they can figure something out with that. Um, and then just all around the board, um, uh, Cadillac Williams retained as running back coach is the only coach who has been reported to be safe so far. I think that's huge um, to maintain a healthy relationship with Auburn's running back room, has all, which has always had some depth and has some reported transfers this year. So I think that's huge that he's staying. A um, couple other guys just to just to note really quickly um, that have that have come in and out. A couple guys, um, a couple guys that have maybe come from other schools um, back and forth. Um, tight ends was. Tight ends coach Brad Bedell was the offensive line coach at Boise State before coming. Um, offensive line coach Will Friend was a Tennessee, the former Tennessee offensive line coach. Um, defense coordinator, like you said, Derek Mason, I think that's huge. Um, cornerback Zach Etheridge was a former standout corner at Auburn. He was Houston's uh, cornerbacks coach, and their corners actually ranked higher this year than Auburn's corners. So some encouraging hires, some hires you kind of, have question marks and you scratch your head about but overall I think he's doing a great job um, I'm on board he seems like a great 
guy. He's just, he's just kind of the stereotypical alpha male football coach kind of guy that you love to be in there leading a program. Um, you think the guy's going to be really fired up to, uh, to play for him. Um, and I think it's going to be, it's going to be a great fit. I hope it's going to be a great fit. Um, it's all obviously going to be hard coaching on the other side of the state is the greatest college football coach of all time, but Hey, you do what you can. I think he's going to have some success recruiting because let's be honest, if you can recruit at Boise state, you can recruit kids to Auburn. I mean, if, if you're going to go live in Idaho and play football, I mean, kids are going to want to come play in Southern Alabama. So that's for sure. It all comes down to the off season preparations. It just comes down to what he does for the schemes for Auburn, whether it be on offense or defense, how he wants to implement it. I mean, obviously he'll have the final say more than likely for most of everything. And so, it, however he implements everything, uh, that's going to be the biggest thing for him because his youthful, young energy, I think that's what's really going to be able to carry a lot of these current players that are on the team and new guys that are going to be coming in. Yeah, I think that's huge. Um, as always, guys, thank you for tuning in to another episode. Um, be sure to go ahead and if you haven't already, if you somehow are listening to the pod, but you haven't gone ahead and looked at our social media, go ahead, pull out that phone that we all spend way too much time on. Hopefully not this semester because, you know, I, I need to study, get those grades, all about the books. Um, but go ahead and pull out that phone and hit us with the follow at South of the Line Sports. Um, it's on Instagram. Uh, Twitter, is our, ta- our handle is South of the Line 1. Um, go ahead and check out our website. It's southofthelinesports.com. Read some of the articles that our, that our guys are writing, getting out there. They're, they're fantastic every time. Um, and if you want to contact us, go ahead and, and click on that contact tab on our, on our website and, and let us know what you think. We love to get input from all you guys. And thank you for listening to another episode of the South of the Line podcast.